This episode of the LLA Show is brought to you by Lifter LMS. Lifter LMS is an online course building tool which helps you turn any WordPress website into your own digital academy where you can train, coach, and educate your community. Look, Mike and I know there are a lot of LLA listeners out there who are strength coaches, personal trainers, health and fitness pros, as well as other current and potential entrepreneurs who are looking to start their own thing, add more value to their current services and products, or who are seeking a way to stop trading time for dollars. So Chris over at Lifter LMS reached out and wanted to sponsor the LLA show. One, because he's a longtime listener and he believes in the holistic, no BS approach to health and fitness that we talk about here on the LLA show. Two, he wants to help quality health and fitness entrepreneurs grow their businesses online. Lifter LMS has already helped thousands of trainers and experts just like you augment their businesses with online courses. Look folks, these courses have the power to unlock the full potential of your expertise, lead you to the freedom that comes with an online business, and expand your impact to a larger global community. Take a look for yourself. Simply visit LifterLMS.com strength to download the Lifter LMS for free. Chris is also offering LLA listeners a generous 30% off coupon for anything in the Lifter LMS store. Simply use the coupon code STRENGTH. So go check it out at LifterLMS.com strength. That's Lifter, L-M as in Mike, S dot com slash strength. Again, that 30% off coupon code is STRENGTH. That's LifterLMS.com strength. <laughs> all right, here we go. Finally. <laughs> all right, cool. Anyway, welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively Show, where all things can go wrong when you don't know what the hell is going on with these computers, but we made it through. Here we are. Sincere Hogan, Mike Mall on the other side, who's already done a show on his own. He's done a solo show without me. <laughs> while I've been chilling yeah, with I need a recorder. Exactly. I was telling Lee, I was like, I need, a, I need a recorder on this end so that we can, if nothing else, it'll be bonus material. <laughs> exactly. So he's already done an episode, so I'm coming on so we can do a bonus episode right now. So. <laughs> oh, technology. Gotta hate it. Anyway, what's going on, dude? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, we had, uh, we had a good time at the Mr. Olympia over the weekend. That was fun. We're, we're going to have to do an episode someday, Sincere, where you fly out for it, and we just go around with a camera. We have someone follow us around with a camera, and it's just your facial expression when you see certain things there. It's like, oh, check out this booth. <laughs> well, talk to these folks over here. Or if the Mr. Olympia is like, you walk into the men's restroom, and then those the faces we'll make from that, those will be priceless. Just going into a men's restroom after one of those competitions, man, because I tell you, Look, man, <laughs> I need that T-shirt that I saw. Um, oh, man, I forgot his name. Um, oh, man. Oh, Badass Vegan. He has this shirt. has no way, Jose, but it's W-H-E-Y. Yeah, when you go to one of those competitions, then you'll understand why you would be saying that. Those restrooms are like the worst. <laughs> well, if you walk in, if you walk into some of the ladies' rooms out there, you might think you walk into the men's room. So you got to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> You walk in and you think you're in the right place. It takes a few seconds. You're like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> excuse me. No problem, young man. See you later. Yeah, but we got a fun Have one today, man. We got urinals. <laughs> we got Lee Boys is back. He's got actually, you know what? I didn't even realize you're I didn't realize everything you had been through, Lee, when I asked you to come back on the show. We just wanted to catch up because it's been a while. And then I I started looking at your Instagram feed and I looked at your Twitter. 
And then I, what really caught my eyes, I looked at you. At first, I didn't really understand the context. You put up a clip where you're deadlifting 405 and you do this happy dance afterwards. And I go, why is he dancing? Because he did 405. I go, that's nothing for him. Yeah, this guy's deadlifting 550 and so forth. And then I realized, okay, wow, this guy was in a wheelchair last year. He had a serious injury. So I'd be doing a dance too if I, I had gone through everything you've been through. So yeah, let's, let's hear Let's hear about it, man. Let's, I mean, you, we already talked about it before we started recording, but let's hear about it. Let's let our audience hear about it. You, you had a rough year last year. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was in the spring of last year and, uh, going in almost summer, but the spring of last year and I was, uh, I was playing some basketball and, uh, you know, I was feeling strong. I had been working out all week and I went up, uh, went up for a dunk during this game. And that's when I had a bilateral patellar tendon rupture. So, I basically separated the most important tendon under the kneecap from both of my knees at the same time. And um, so that basically negates any utilization of your knee joint whatsoever because your quads are detached from your knees and your, your kneecaps are floating up on your thighs when that happens. Your quads just pull them up like Venetian blinds. And so uh, from that, it's um, you're, you're, you're in line for a surgery and it's a pretty serious reconstructive knee surgery where they have to pretty much tie it all back together and um wow. you know you could only imagine just how much uh just how much stiffness and how invasive such a surgery is like i've got almost a foot long scars on both of my legs now because of it um mm. and so it's uh it's a really long rehab process like the the prognosis was um or the the yeah the prognosis was like the recovery time would be projected to be around like a year and a half to two years so right now i'm at a year and four months and um you know, like it's it's been quite the road, but I've definitely put in more than enough effort to to get to the place where I'm at right now, which I'm sure is far beyond what they were anticipating at this point in time. Uh -huh. And also, you got to think about what doctors will say when it comes to getting back to normal. Well, they look at a guy like me yeah. to get back to normal. I'm sure they just mean like lightly jog, walk around, go up and down a flight <laughs> of stairs and stuff like that, right? right? So it doesn't mean like you know, trying to touch a rim on a basketball court or being able to go and, and sprint again or go and, and deadlift hundreds of pounds again or squat a lot. Like, you know, it's a t totally different context for them, right? Sure. And so um, that's uh, that's sort of why I'm, I'm giving myself uh, more of a pat on the back than, than, than usual because of the fact that I'm really getting back relatively close to those old numbers again and, and that, that old performance again, which is still my goal in the next year of, of rehab and recovery. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this time last year, you were in a wheelchair, right? Because you went through the surgery and then you were on these braces on both legs and then you're in a wheelchair for a month. And when exactly yeah. was this last year? What month was this last year? It was actually in May. I had the surgery in May. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, and from the month of May and June, I was basically using the wheelchair and uh, June, July. And so, yeah, till the end of until the middle of July, I was in uh, the braces and the crutches and so on. And so... Um, yeah, it was in mid-July when I started going back to the gym again, and I had lost a whole bunch of size in my legs, and uh, had like I couldn't even bend my knees to 90 degrees, not even close to 90 degrees. Now that I think about it, yeah. and uh, I remember, I'll never forget the very first workout that I did back, and it was uh, it was a seated row because my legs could fit there because I was uh, I was able to keep them relatively straight, uh, and then I was able to do lat pull downs. And my third exercise was a squat to a 24-inch box, which is barely taking a seat at all, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I did bodyweight squats to a 24-inch box for three sets of 10 reps, and it felt like hell. <laughs> it was imagine. very, very, very painful and difficult. But, you know, 
that you just got to do what you got to do, right? And the only way to get back into it is to get back into it. And so I had to just yeah. uh, put my mind in the right place for it and stop being so negative or try not to be negative about anything and just look forward. And so that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an important point right there is if you're too attached to what you used to be able to do, it's going to be extremely discouraging. But if you're looking at this as a clean slate and starting from scratch and wanting to get back, you have this strong desire to get back to being healthy. And I think that's really important. I've had doctors tell me that a lot of times patients don't make a full recovery because they're not willing to go through the pain of making a full recovery. They just accept certain things. It's like, oh, well, I'm just going to use a cane for the rest of my life and have this and have this gimp walk because I don't want to go through the pain of physical therapy. I I refuse to, you know, I just, I can't really process that idea of just being able to sit back with being in a world of chronic pain or just of disability kind of when you once weren't that way, you know, like, exactly. I don't know, maybe it's a competition within oneself even that like you want to get back to what you were capable of doing before. And, you know, within reason, I think that's a healthy thing to be like, and then it's something that's worthwhile, worth your while to try for because, you know, it just builds character, if nothing else, even if you don't get there, you know, you have a lot that you can speak about when you when you've been trying and working hard at it, you know. Yeah, I, I think, think it is a positive. Also, I think it, it also goes back to, you know, we we're saying, you know, not to sit back and look back at what you used to do. But on the flip side of that, I think it also helps to look back at what you used to do as inspiration to, to get back on the horse for the fact is, you know, how resilient your body is, because. Where, where you used to be, it took a lot of hard work to get there. It took a lot of pain and, and, and a lot of training and a lot of commitment, and a lot of time to get there. So you already know pretty much how to rebuild something from nothing, pretty much from just molding something like that. So I think that mindset is the main thing that you get to carry over with you in a situation like that. And I think that yeah. pretty much can help you be a lot more resilient to being stuck where you were, you know, when, when the injury happened. You pretty much knew, like, okay, I, it's not going to feel good, but you know what? Getting to where I used to be didn't feel good either. You know, the, 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 you felt good once you hit a goal. And that's all this was, was pretty much, this is a different type of training regimen going on where you set a goal and then it's like, okay, I'm going to hit all these little numbers along the way to get back to at least getting back into a routine where I can train hard again and, and yeah. just be who you used to be as far as, Someone that was capable, not just saying you're going to hit all your numbers that you had before, but someone that could walk around and not be in chronic pain, like you were saying. And you pretty right. much had the mindset and knew what it, what it took to get there. I think that's where some people, if they've never <laughs> trained like that and had a, a consistent training regimen, then those are the ones who are really susceptible to be the ones who just accept the fact that, oh, well, I got this injury now. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be limping around. I'm going to be in the wheelchair. I'm going to walk around with a cane for the rest of my life because they haven't really had that mindset where they had to set a goal and they've achieved those goals along the way when it comes to physical and mental connection, you know, getting where they need to be. That's a really good yeah. point. And that, that's very accurate. I would, I would imagine that anyone who's ever been in shape like the three of us, you don't want to, you want to get back to that unless it's impossible to get back to that. But even then you want to improve from where you're at. But when you, when you have a blueprint of feeling really vital, fit and healthy, that's not something you're just going to relinquish easily. You're going to do what it takes to get back there. (laughs) No, that's like, that's like getting a lot of money. It's like you worked really hard and you earned all this money. And then someone just comes along and says, 
Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and take that. Nah, bro. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm poor for this. <laughs> you just be poor for the rest of your life. That's it. You just you just down. Yeah, you're not gonna forever. accept that. You're not gonna live in a nice house and have a great a great personal life, and then all of a sudden you lose that, and now you're in a trailer, and then you're just gonna accept that. It's like, oh well, I guess this is just it. Just I guess because someone said that's how it has to be. There's, there's yeah, no yeah, exactly. Hey man, you're gonna be poor from now on. Why? Just because. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, nah, you got me messed up, man. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no telling how messed up you can get, you know, when that's your mentality. <laughs> guys, the guys are giving me material here. I got to start taking notes. Once you're not willing to put in the work to get back to where you were, there's no telling how messed up you can get. You know, they got five or ten quotes from Lee's experience here. Well, one thing I'm curious about, Lee, is this all happened because you tried to do, you tried to dunk a basketball and you tore the muscle just from that? Was there something that you think might have been on the verge of being an injury that just got exacerbated Um, from that, or this was just a freak event? Yeah, so one thing is that I'll say this, and I've been saying it a lot, is that I created the perfect storm for an injury to happen if there was going to be an injury that happened. That would have been the perfect time for it to have happened, and it did. Um, And I can't say that I chalk it all up to this, but I'll tell you, it was an insufficient warm-up. It was me in a brand new pair of shoes, first wear. It was me playing on a concrete floor. It was me playing ball, having not played for a couple of months. So it was sort of like everything that you usually like overlook, those still, I'm sure those played a part in what happened. You know, right. um, dunking a basketball was something that was routine for me. I could do it standing right underneath the rim. You know, so it wasn't like I was pushing beyond a certain threshold that I'd never really explored before. I had someone threw up a lob, I was going to go up and catch it and throw it down. That was it. And uh, it's something that I was very used to. But, you know, today it wasn't happening. And so I went up and, uh, you know, I put all my force into the ground to get up and go up for that two-handed jam. And it didn't, I probably ended up going like three inches off the ground <laughs> because it was, <laughs> it was right on the takeoff. Yeah. It's it's scary to think about because when you feel fine, you're not thinking of being injury prone or that it, we could all have an injury around the corners where I'm going with this. And all it takes is one wrong move or not even one wrong move. You just, you just do something you normally do. Like the perfect storm. Like we said. Yeah, exactly. It's reached this tipping point. So it's just waiting for you to do one more thing. It could be anything. You could be just go do box jumps. And then, yeah. boom, it hits that tipping point and you have an injury. Yeah, um, and I don't really know what it was that was the tipping point. It was probably one of the four things that I just listed for sure. Um, yeah. it, it just, it was it, something had to give, and maybe it was my what my body weight was at the time as well. It was just like, it was everything, man. Right, so, um, right. you know, you learn from it. It's the worst way to possibly learn from it, but you do, and... <laughs> You know, and and that's sort of just been where I've been at. And it doesn't even, I don't even like so much trying to analyze and figure out exactly what it was that caused this because the truth of the matter is it happened, you know, and I was in it and that was it, right? And so I just had to keep on, you know, staying positive and and move forward and try to just keep on uh, doing what you're doing to get better, right? So. And that's one of the good things you can take that knowing that it wasn't just one thing. I think so many people can learn from that because anytime there's a situation going on with us that we don't like, the 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 habit is to blame one thing. Well, if you know, if I hadn't done this, if it wasn't this, and not 
realizing that there's some synchronicity going on here, man. There's a culmination of things working together, even just with the body itself. People always think like, if I just stop, if I just stop eating meat, if I just stop, you know, eating carbs, if I just stop doing this, then I can lose the weight or I can get healthy. But it's not just this one thing, man. That's just not how life works. It's not just one thing. Unless you like, like we said, let's freak accident. And even then, even if it's like, a, even like a car accident, it's not even a car accident. It's car ne- it's it's driving negligence, if anything. Yeah. Somebody yeah. didn't do what they were supposed to do, and usually it's both parties not doing what they should do. And so that's how you end up in a situation. <clears throat> Unless it's lightning striking you, then that's 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 one time things really <laughs> accident. Okay, a lightning strike. Now, if you drown in a flood. You know, did you have time to get away? <laughs> did you get a warning? You know that you know that there's going to be a hurricane coming three or four days ago, and but you chose to hunker down and stay, and stay there. You can't blame the you can't blame the flooding and the hurricane for killing you or, or taking you know wiping out your family when you had a warning. Okay, so like I said, if it's not lightning, man, then it's, it's, there are some things working at play all together. That could have been avoided. Sometimes, sometimes we get warnings too, like you just said about the flooding. I remember my brother and I, Roger, we were we were playing catch one time, right? It was just baseball. We we're just throwing a baseball to each other, catcher's mitts on, and we had the bright idea of doing it facing the house, right? So here's me. Here's me yeah, here's me standing in front of the window to my room, and Roger is facing me, throwing the ball at me. And what's funny is he th- one time he threw one ball and I didn't catch it, and it bounced off not the window but right next to it yeah so that was right. the warning shot right and what did we do we didn't change direction we just kept going so a few throws later i missed it and it goes boom right through the window right? <laughs> and, and we, we always talk about that story now because a lot of times not not always right you don't always get a warning but this is a particular case where you did and you just chose not to listen to it you're like oh that was a close one we'll be more careful Instead of thinking, why don't, we, why don't we go somewhere else or why don't we face another way so that if, <laughs> if a stray ball doesn't go through a window? <laughs> Story of so many people's lives right there, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is my brother got straight A's down in his report card, so my dad gave him a reward, right? He gave him, I don't know what it was, what? 30 bucks, 40 <laughs> bucks. But all of that money went for paying for the window. <laughs> so what, what, Roger's lesson from that is, the wasting time getting good grades is not worth it. <laughs> and I go, no, no, that's the wrong, that's the wrong lesson, man. <laughs> just learn. He just learned education to put you in debt. That's what he learned at an early age. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Those good grades, warning signs. On that subject, <laughs> warning signs, though, it, it's a, it's a good thing to to bring up actually the warning signs thing because you know you think about like again like uh, getting injured or what what things are leading towards an injury the way that you're lifting the way that you're training the mentality that right. you have towards your work to rest ratio the mentality you have towards the stressors in your life and how hard you might be going in the gym etc like how many of those things are factoring in to potentially a really really uh, humbling circumstance down the road right so in the case right. of me and the basketball, like I probably was being uh, uh, dismissive to to a lot of that sort of thing. You know, I got a brand new pair of shoes. I didn't practice basketball. I was barely warming up, and this, this, and this happened. I was heavy as well. So all these things, they, they manifest themselves in the form of an injury, right? And so in the weight room, for somebody who's just an average Joe lifter, you know, what kinds of things, like how many hours a day are you working? Are you using your workouts as a way of reducing your stress, or is it another stressor in your life? You know, um, just all sorts of questions you could ask yourself like that. How am 
my training? What's my technique like? What's my rest like? What's my sleep like? What's my diet like? Am I doing things that are going to just catalyze each other and facilitate a good outcome? Or am I doing things that are just going to sort of uh, set a stage for a problem down the road, even if it's not immediate? Right. right. Yeah, here's the irony. Here's the whole irony of the whole situation that happened with you, Lee. I bet all the things you just said right now, I'm sure when you go into a gym, when you go into the weight room, a place where you spend the majority of your time, you consider and address all those things as and, and far as preparation is concerned. And the one time that you're going to do something that's more of a, okay, I'm not going to train hard. I'm going to actually just kick, you know, I'm still going to do some activity, but something that's, you know, really fun and just laid back, you know, I'm going to go play basketball. The one thing that's supposed to be more of an, an active type re- recovery type day becomes this one place where you get a, a major injury. <laughs> so yep. there's, there's irony in that. You know what's funny? I haven't told anybody on any any uh, radio show or podcast this yet. But um, the funny thing is, is I was gearing up for it. I was excited for it because it's been a while since I played. And that week, I was like, okay, how should I train so that I'm really, really popping off for this basketball game I've got going on on Tuesday? And so on the Monday, you know, I'm in the gym and I'm doing like these nice little power squats and stuff. I got the hip band going. I had all sorts of different little things that I was doing differently for my workout that were just, you know, just making sure my nervous system was on point and like just i was really really amped up for it and then this goes and happens you know so <laughs> yeah, i mean you you shaved your legs before going there you had the short shorts you know, that you wear on your clips got the, and i mean come on what could have gone wrong exactly <laughs> full john stockton outfit just the headbands the goggles just everything. i mean you said you said you said you tore your me undies right before that i mean that that was somewhat of a premonition that another tear was eminent <laughs> So whenever, yeah, was, whenever you tear your underwear squatting, it's that's usually a sign that a possible hamstring <laughs> tear or, or quad tear. You know, exactly, <laughs> you know. So I did the so I did the basketball. I was in the basketball game. I went commando with it because I thought I'd be more free that way. And then there you go. Look what happened. <laughs> well, now you learn, brother. Freedom is not free. Okay, so exactly. Freedom isn't free. Wear underwear. That's the message that comes from the podcast. Wear underwear. That, that's, that's the most important point so far that we've discussed. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the positive of all this is, I mean, when you're going through it, it's, it's hard to think about it. But when it's all said and done and you're well on your way to a full recovery and you're doing well now, I think looking back, you really, you learn so much about yourself. That's positive, the mental toughness, the tenacity you have. And also it's, we all like having stories of adversity. It makes for more, being a more interesting person. And we all like to talk about traumas or difficult experiences we've been through and how we persevered. And people like to hear about it too, you know, more importantly. So I think, yeah. I think this is a, this is only an asset to you for your business and not just your personal life and your own workouts, but for your business as well, because a lot of people are going to be able to relate to this. And I think you may even attract a lot of new customers that find you way more relatable because maybe they're going through something similar or they went through something a long time ago and they go, wow, okay, this guy gets it. I'm going to work with him. Yeah, you know, I'm actually surprised. It surprised me when I, because uh, I stayed quiet about it for about six months before I actually decided because I wanted to gather my thoughts in terms of putting it into writing and what the experience was, and also have yeah. some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of footwork to be able to speak for in terms of what I've been doing up until this point to get back or to try to get back, etc. Right, and so when I released the article finally on my blog and talked about it. Um, it surprised me what the feedback was like in terms of people, not necessarily people who were just com- commending me for, oh, good, good job of staying with it, blah, blah, because there's a ton of that, but more so the yeah. amount of people who said, hey, Lee, man, I, 
I ruptured my patellar tendon on my right leg. I can't believe that you wrote this because it speaks directly to me. Or I had this oh, yeah. major surgery three months ago or eight weeks out from this surgery or the same injury. Exactly. I had this happen. And so this is, in, this is such great timing. And so it was really good to see just people, just more so people who were injured and who were experiencing the same rehab process in some capacity, whether it was a bicep tear or a pec tear or something else or even a patellar tendon rupture as well, because I had a couple of those too. And um, they, yeah. they, they've come forward and say, like, you know, thanks for the article. And uh, it really, really spoke to me directly. And it's good to know that since you're further ahead in your progress and you're in your recovery uh, stage, because it's six months later, um, what I can expect and what I can look forward to in terms of my re- results if I keep working hard too. You know, so, um, yeah, it was, it was really, really good and uh, sort of made it pretty fulfilling anyway. Oh, yeah, 100%. And who knows, this could open a, this could add a direction to your business. You may develop a new wing of clientele that you didn't previously have. So you never know. A lot of time, anytime I've shared anything I've been through, whatever it is, people really appreciate that because people like authenticity. And a lot of times people look at someone like you, they may find it daunting. They go, here's this former athlete and he's in great shape. And I don't know if he gets where I'm at. And when they hear about the vulnerability of where you've been, I think that makes you a lot more approachable. And more real to them. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so because, uh, <laughs> you know, it was literally a matter of, and, you know, with the exception of something like paralysis, it was literally a matter oh, of coming yeah. back from pretty much no utilization of my, of my lower body when it comes to like using my, the, the muscles of my legs. A, because they were dis- disconnected and detached for a second. And then B, because for like the first like four months after the surgery, they were so stiff that I couldn't even bend my legs, you know? So there was no use for them whatsoever. And anything that I tried to do when I had the availability to do it would kill me. It would hurt so much, like very, very painful and just swollen and tender and, you know, you couldn't do anything. And so um, it was, it was quite an uphill sort of a road back to, to regularity. And uh, I'm glad that I sort of embarked on it. But as far as vulnerability goes, like, you know, I was just as useful as somebody who's never been in the gym before. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You feel like you're starting over. I mean, forget about starting over. You feel like you're less than starting over because you're at a much more intense starting point than you were before. I remember after I got back and after I got over pneumonia and I started working out again, the, the worst part was when I went to my chiropractor, this active release technique guy in Los Angeles, and I took off my shirt for him to work on my shoulder. And he's like, oh, whoa, what happened? You know, not in a good way. He's like, your muscles are all gone. I was like, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> you know? but, so you're just, and everything felt heavy. And I, just, I remember I was, before I had this incident, I was using 70-pound kettlebells, 88 for some stuff. I, I took all those heavy kettlebells and I just put them in the closet. I, go, I, don't, even, I don't even want to see them because I'm nowhere close to being able to lift those things. I don't, I don't even want to know I have them. And I just grabbed 35-pound kettlebells and 53-pound kettlebells. And I go, this is what I'm using right now for the next probably 12 weeks. I'm just going to work on getting back in the groove. I'm not trying to hit any PRs right now. I'm not trying to get back to where I was as fast as possible. It's time to just rebuild and get that foundation back. And it was actually an enjoyable experience. It somewhat took the pressure off. You're like, you know, you don't need that pressure of trying to lift weights right now. Just go through the motions, get back in shape, enjoy the process. Yeah. And it took a couple months. It didn't take a whole, I mean, this is nowhere near as serious as what you went through, but it was, it was serious enough that it was smart to take your time and make it a gradual process. It's, it's going to come back. It's just not going to come back this week, next week, or the week after it's going to be a few months. Yeah. 
You know, one thing that it definitely all did for me on the same note of what you're talking about in terms of uh, sort of your progress and, and what you have to do to sort of get back in the groove and get back in shape. For me, it really reinforced something that I've been trying to talk about lately over the last couple of years is that progression takes on more than just weight lifted in terms of its form. You know, progression right. can be more reps performed. It could be greater time under tension. It could be a utilization of more range of motion. And those right. three things for me were so important to being able to go to the next level up or for, for me to give myself a passing grade to graduate to the next stack or pin on the stack or get, graduate to the next uh, uh, level of, of, of uh, you know, weight or whatever, you know. So, right. Um, right. you know, especially the range of motion thing, because that's the most important thing I was trying to build back. Right. And uh, it was that that was a really, really uh, eye opening thing for me because I was actually living what I was speaking for the first time in a little while. That's for sure. Yeah. It's interesting to see your reaction when you hit that, when you did a 405 deadlift recently, because it looked like you were more excited doing that than you probably were when you deadlifted 550 a while back. <laughs> um, I'm so yeah, happy to well, be back in the ballpark. Yeah, you know, the state, I'll tell you something is that, uh, with deadlifting, like that, okay, listen, the, the day, the day that I went back to the gym or the first weeks that I went back to the gym to, uh, to, to start the whole process, um, I remember putting the empty cradle of the trap bar, um, on five different mats, five mats on either side. So it was propped up, right? And I got inside the cradle and I just tried to pick it up. Couldn't bend my knees far enough to keep a straight back in the trap bar. And then uh, when I stood up with it, because it was just a 60-pound bar, I uh, stood up with it, and I could only last about five repetitions doing that with the empty cradle before my knees would kill me, even in a full standing position. So just any added weight would really hurt it. Like, just it just – the pressure was, like, insane. And I was wearing knee wraps and everything as well. So um, – the fact that I could even get, I didn't, I believed at the time that I would never conventional deadlift with a straight barbell again. That's what I truly believed. Yeah. So, um, the fact that I was able to regain enough mobility so that when I was, was able to crouch down, and I'm a long guy, right? So to be able to crouch yeah. down with a narrow stance and get it back into conventional deadlift position, um, it used to, it was killing my knees for the longest time and I was ready to give up on it. But, you know, just the fact that I could even perform the movement and execute it fairly decently again is, uh, is a huge step because I'm pretty much back to normal with the trap bar as far as just the, the geometry is concerned and so on. But, uh, right. the, the straight bar would give me a hell of a time, I'll tell you. So yeah, that yeah. was a really big thing. That was a really big thing. I hit 365 a few weeks back and so I said, let me just try 405. Let me do it. And uh, I did it. More of the Live Life Progressively show right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the LLA show is brought to you by Lifter LMS. Lifter LMS is an online course building tool which helps you turn any WordPress website into your own digital academy where you can train, coach, and educate your community. Look, Mike and I know there are a lot of LLA listeners out there who are strength coaches, personal trainers, health and fitness pros, as well as other current and potential entrepreneurs who are looking to start their own thing, add more value to their current services and products, or who are seeking a way to stop trading time for dollars. So Chris over at Lifter LMS reached out and wanted to sponsor the LLA show. One, because he's a longtime listener and he believes in the holistic, no BS approach to health and fitness that we talk about here on the LLA show. Two, 
He wants to help quality health and fitness entrepreneurs grow their businesses online. Lifter LMS has already helped thousands of trainers and experts just like you augment their businesses with online courses. Look folks, these courses have the power to unlock the full potential of your expertise, lead you to the freedom that comes with an online business, and expand your impact to a larger global community. Take a look for yourself. Simply visit LifterLMS.com strength to download the Lifter LMS for free. Chris is also offering LLA listeners a generous 30% off coupon for anything in the Lifter LMS store. Simply use the coupon code STRENGTH. So go check it out at LifterLMS.com strength. That's Lifter, L-M as in Mike, S.com strength. Again, that 30% off coupon code is STRENGTH. That's LifterLMS.com strength. And now back to the show. That's great, man. I think it's hard to... It's really hard to appreciate what you have until it's gone. And that's something I try to ponder on. In fact, I put up a little quote about that. I go, once you can't, once you can't appreciate what you have until it's gone, there's no telling how messed up you can get, right? You know, following that, <laughs> following that narrative. But someone put up a, someone put up a good response. She said, I think about this quote a lot. And I don't know if it's even possible to appreciate what you have until it's gone. And I, and I understand where she's coming from. It's, it's, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's very difficult because when you have, it's just like when you get a really nasty flu, right? And you're going, Oh man, I can't wait to feel healthy again. I'm really going to appreciate being healthy this time. And sure enough, you right. do. You get over it and maybe for a couple of weeks, you're like, Oh, you know, thank God I can breathe again. And then life just happens and something happens. And now you're focused on that that you forget yeah. about because you're over it now until you get over it. I remember just getting over pneumonia. I was, I was just happy to be able to breathe properly again without it being stressful. And that appreciation lasted for a while, but eventually it becomes smaller and smaller and then you forget all about it. So it, right. it's difficult, but I, I think it's, it's like important any, though. It's like anything, it's like anything when everything is going good or great, then of course you're not going to pay much attention to it. It's, you need that adversity. So I get what she's saying. You need that adversity to kind of like make you hit that reset button or just to grab you by the shoulder and shake you for a second. Like, Hey man. You're breathing. You're, you do realize you're breathing without any problems right now, right? You know, right. Well, you, you just take it for granted. And it's it's just human nature. It just happens like, because things, other stuff is going on at that time. There's other adversities happening in different arenas at the time that call for your attention a lot more than you focus sure. on the fact that you're breathing today. You know, unless, yeah. you know, like for me, I'm like, oh, being out here in this humidity, he's like, I, I truly appreciate breathing in some cool air right now. You know, whereas when it gets right. cold, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm going to want to appreciate having warm air again and <laughs> going back into my lungs. <laughs> running sprints out in the cold in Texas is like, it's like, I don't know, man. It, that's almost like the tundra for us. So I can, I can appreciate it when it's a little humid outside and my lungs are a little, a little wet from the humidity there. So I, but when it's happening, I'm like, God, I just wish this heat would go away. It's September. It's two weeks from October and I'm like, it's still, freaking human i don't want to run in this crap anymore so again there's always various adversities going on all the time to take your mind off of those those good things that you have to appreciate so well i, mean, I, I think i think we're also i think we're also trying we're always focused on where we're trying to go to so for example you could go to the gym and let's say you you deadlift 525 and you're like wow that that's i feel great and then right away you're going okay i want to be able to do more <laughs> right your mind goes right to that or you go oh, I, I hit this income goal but now I want more, even though before you hit that income goal, you thought that was going to be more than enough. But now that you hit it, you're going, OK, now I want to see what else I can do. I'm not I'm not I'm not even saying that's wrong. It's great to want to constantly improve. But sometimes it makes sense to just pause and say, man, you did it. You got this yeah. far. It worked. Yeah, that's one of those times. Just, you want just, to... just pause for a minute and enjoy that. Yeah. 
that's one of the times where you, being a yeah, but actually works in your favor. Cause you know, people are like, Hey man, what about so-and-so? Yeah, but you know, so here's the thing. Like, yeah, man, I hit that goal. Yeah. Yeah. But I do appreciate the fact that I actually made it to that goal. So that's the one time you can get yeah, but, and I don't have a problem with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the case, in the case of uh, like, even me, like I think about a, the fact that I'm not back to, I'm not back to my old, old self yet. I'm very, very functional as far as like, you, you see me walk up to you. If you don't look at my knees and see the scars there, you'll never know that something was ever wrong whatsoever. That's where I'm at right now. Uh, I could move perfectly freely and so on. Uh, and in the gym, given I'm warmed up, I can do basically anything that I want. But, uh, with that said, um, it doesn't mean that I don't feel aches, extreme stiffness tightness, chronic pain, like all that stuff, all that stuff is there. And of course, the things like capacities like explosiveness and extreme muscular endurance and so on, or tendon endurance and load tolerance, that's still on the lower level. It's still not back to where it used to be because I'm not fully recovered yet. Um, so yeah. with all that said, um, I, I think about, like, I wake up at 5, 5.45 in the morning to train my 7 a.m. clients every day of the week. And, uh, and then I go through my morning training my clients and so on. And during that time, like if you ask me to like crouch down or squat down cold like that to, to look at them while I'm cueing them or something like that, it is labored. It it's and I mean it's tough and like you know you give me a winter day or something like that and I'm walking at six o'clock in the morning, stiff as a board. Like it's really 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 hard on the knees and so on. And so you know like I I could easily be complaining about that sort of stuff, but again like you sort of think about where you once were compared to now and it's like well man i just drove all the way downtown and i'm walking into my workplace right now and i'm walking down this flight of stairs i didn't warm up or do any mobility work or anything like that and here i am doing this like a year later so what do i have to be really too upset about right like it's it's pretty awesome so i just have to keep on staying the path and that's a really healthy mindset to have and i think it's I think gratitude is always really important. That's one thing I try to do to you each morning when I get up. I'm like, hey, you're healthy. You had a good night of sleep. You live in a nice house. You love what you do for a living. All these thoughts try to go through my head each morning. So I'm starting off from a positive mindset. I'm not going to say that I'm not steered in negative directions like all of us are, but it's good to start that day and end the day the same way as well. Going, hey, today was a great day. Enjoy doing this. Had a good meal. Everyone's healthy. We're all good. I think those things are only going to make your life better. And I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to get more and improve and so forth. Those are all things that we all work on. But just pause sometimes and realize that there's a lot of people out there who would love to have the problems you have. Right. Right. And I, That's so true. What's, what is, so what's going on now with your business? Or well, Actually, here's, a, here's what I'm curious about. What did you do with all your clients as you were going through this? What did you do to maintain your business in any way? Yeah, so um, the clients that I had were the clients that I currently still have. They, um, a lot of them waited around. They really did, and um, that was that was great to to hear. They, uh, I was off work for about six months. So I was down to only my writing work and, uh, because I could do that from home, of course, uh, I was down to writing and, um, dealing with the odd online client here and there. And, uh, that was right. all I was really doing as far as, uh, as far as, um, well, as far as work went. And so my client base, they were, 
honestly, they were patiently waiting, doing their own workouts, and some of them not working out at all, of course, <laughs> but uh, doing their own workouts and, and uh, just sticking around. Um, I made some programming for a number of them as well who, who would request it and um, so that they can stay on top of things on their own and keep their fitness up. And um, yeah, so I, I retained almost very, very close to all of my client base, which was really great. And uh, so I was really happy that, uh, you know, I sort of I sort of patted myself on the back a little bit about that because it showed that the loyalty was there based on it had to have been a product of some kind of good rapport that I had built over time where they, they felt like um, that they needed to stick around with me. So um, I, I was pretty happy to hear that and see that. Yeah, that's great, man. Now, in Canada, was all of this covered by the medical system out there? Luckily, the only thing that wasn't covered was my ambulance <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, the the braces and crutches that I that I had to buy. So um, the other stuff, the surgery itself, I was told that if I was in the USA and that happened to me, that it would be two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Ambulance alone would have cost you about, about <laughs> So it's, it's yeah. better to get Lyft or Uber to take you to the hospital than actually get an ambulance <laughs> call 911 in, in America. Oh, that's true. <laughs> we, we've come to figure that out. Like, just, just for them showing up is 250 and Then they have to carry you away to add another 250 So I'm like, nah, right. bro, I'll, just, I'll, I'll take an Uber and get my 10% discount, and I'm, I'm good, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. What, what, what about we always here in America, like, oh, they, they have free medical care in Canada, but it takes forever to be seen and so forth. Yeah. In your case, were you able to get treatment expediently? Was there any delay? Um, the, the hospital that I was at, like, first of all, the good news was that I was like where I got injured, where I was playing ball was literally like a 35 second drive from the hospital. And uh, it was right in the middle of downtown, which is a, there's a strip of different hospitals down there. So I was very close to anyone. Um, so the, the trip to the hospital was fine. Spent a while in the ER, um, and the, the the experience of the um, of the actual um, surgery and so on that was about a week. That was about a week of okay. waiting, and even that week was uh, it was a long week. You know, it's a long oh, week, bad. but I'm sure they were much worse. But when you have no knees whatsoever, not even repaired knees that you can't put pressure on, but no knees, you know, for 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 seven days, like it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, you could sit there on your bed, on the edge of your bed, and tell yourself that you're going to try with all of your strength to raise your foot like a leg extension, but you can't do it. You know, you can't do it. It's like you t it's like unplugging uh, something that's uh, that's electric. It's like turning off a light switch. You can imagine, you can try, you could sweat there for three hours, but you couldn't do it because the thing is disconnected. It's detached, right? And uh, that's something that it was such a foreign experience for me. It's like it's like it's like being paralyzed for that instant anyway, you know, like you can't yeah. use the muscles that are there right there in front of you. You can't use them. You know, if someone said, just, just lift your foot two inches, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. wild. Yeah. So, it, it yeah reminds, I in, like I told you before we started recording, remind your story reminds me a lot of Leo Costa who came on, who went through a stroke and went through a similar process that you went through to get full mobility and access. I believe, I forget which side was paralyzed, but one side of his body was paralyzed and he eventually got back full usage of everything. But it took, he said it was the hardest thing he'd ever gone through. It was extremely difficult. And he said that people around him wanted to help him, but he, he said they had good intentions, but he needed to be able to work back to doing all this on his own. 
you know, the more people yeah. around him helped him, the less he was going to focus on improving. Did you have people around you that helped you during this process? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, in the hospital itself, because uh, I spent five or six days in the hospital because of the fact that they had never, ever seen anybody uh, get a bilateral rupture before. They only saw single yeah. leg ruptures all the time. And so I was the first right. case like that that anyone had dealt with. So I had, I didn't get cleared to leave for nearly a week, you know? And so, um, there was like, they had like their, their physios there and so on. They're a very attentive staff and very helpful and so on. And then back at home, you know, um, family of course was, uh, was very helpful of course. And, uh, there were other people that were in, in like people in my life as well that were pretty helpful with, uh, with the whole situation. And, uh, you know, I was very, very, well, what's the word I'm looking for? I was very, very stubborn almost with regards to just how much help that I would want or require. But at the same time, I was also a little bit of, you know, you get influx with, oh, can we come visit? Can I come visit? Can I come over? Can I see you? Can I blah, blah? You get all these different <laughs> messages and calls and so on. It's like you kind of respectfully want to say, at least I did kind of respectfully say like, you know, okay, like leave me alone for a minute. You know, like I don't. I don't necessarily want, that's not exactly what I need right now. I sort of just want to be on my own until I can get, you know, figuratively and literally speaking on my feet, you know, and um, when, when, then once, once things are sort of in a better place, at least mentally, because it was pretty dark at that time, you know, and so once things get into a better place, um, then, then I'm okay with like some visits or being okay with like, you know, hobbling around and, and hanging out or going out or, you know, I remember when I first drove my car and that was in like the month of, of July or June or something like that. And like my seats all the way reclined back because the only way I'd fit in <laughs> and then <I'd> drive <laughs> to like to meet up for a dinner or something like that with my crutches in the right. sides in the passenger seat and so on. And so, yeah, like it, you come around later on, but uh, at the beginning it's a little bit darker and it's a little bit like, you know, just it's a little bit more leave me alone. Like I appreciate the, uh, the gestures and the help and, you know, people sent stuff and cards and whatever else, but you know, it was, it was very nice. And uh, I'm yeah. a little bit introverted by nature. And I think that, um, that the best thing that would have been for me at certain points in time would have been, you know, just a little bit more of being, uh, being alone, which was what I got. And that, that, that's a, that's a male mindset too. Most of us can relate to that. A lot of times when we're going through something, it's like, look, let me just go through this. Let me figure it out. We want to, and also a lot of times we don't really want people to see us in that vulnerable state either. Let me get myself a little bit, especially when they're used to seeing you as very vibrant and strong and healthy and so forth. Like, look, I don't really want you coming over right now. Yeah. Yeah. If you're introverted, all that already sounds like a nightmare. Just people just like showing up. (laughs) Just like that. Just just hearing you say that right now is already giving me highs. Like I'm just like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want people coming over now, and I when I feel great, it's like, hey, don't just don't just don't just show up, man. Right? Don't just come knocking on the door because you're in the neighborhood. Right? You got to give me a heads up. I have just to meet up with people. Do you know how much planning I have to do just to meet up with like my boys, just to go have cigars or whatever? Like I have to like move things around. But you know, hey, just come over to your house. No, nope, let's not do that. Let's, they have cigar shops. You don't need to come here. <laughs> and these are my boys. I trust them with my life, but I don't want them over here right now. <laughs> When my house is my yeah, no. that's my that's my fortress of solitude, man. <laughs> you know, that's just the thing. So it's just kind of like, and you you're there for like I said for the introverted types. 
this is where you kind of like, this is where you think. This is where you can actually put your plans together or whatever. When people coming in and out, it just really starts messing with that, man. I, mean, I know some people, they love to have people around them all the time. But to me, I feel like the best way for me to attack a goal, man, I need that silence. I need that solitude. Yeah. And well, it's the only, it's, it's, it's the only way. It's the only way you get stuff done. If you have people exactly. coming over all the time, they're not going to get anything done. For those of us that are very entrepreneurial and we're doing a lot of things that require us to be alone and focus, if you have people constantly coming over, you're, you're not going to get anything done. Or even people constantly calling and you're picking up the phone and you're having one right. conversation after the other, you're just not going to get stuff done. It's just not going to happen. But uh, one more yeah. thing, Lee, I forgot about is do you do did you do any massage therapy or anything like that while you were going through this or even now as part of recovering and so, yeah. as a pre preemptive measure to avoid another injury? So largely I did my own rehab for this. Um, that's, that's the thing I was going to say is that uh, largely most, I'd say I chalk up about 90% of this to, to completely my own sort of stuff. Um, uh -huh. Choosing the exercises and designing my own kind of like uh, programming, if you want to call it that, um, to, to get through this and just sort of like we were talking before this all started with, um, with regards to training intuitively and knowing what you want to, uh, what you want to accomplish and how you're feeling and basing things around that per day. And, um, that's definitely what comprised a whole lot of what this was all about. But as far as manual therapy or any sort of like a formal therapy, at the very beginning, I was doing a little bit of physiotherapy and hydro, hydro, um, hydrotherapy as well. So uh, there are different exercises that uh, we get put through in like in uh, the pool of, of salt water and so on. Uh, I did right. about uh, half a dozen sessions worth of that at the very start uh, post-surgery. Um, and from that afterwards, uh, yeah, it was pretty much me on my own. And I would go in, I would go in for RMT sessions for my quads specifically. Um, mainly just for the quads, a little bit on the posterior chain as well. But, um, yeah, I would be doing that maybe, um, weekly, I'd say, once weekly. And outside of that, the odd Cairo session here and there to actually work on the knees and so on and break down some scar tissue. But the rest was literally just me going to the gym every day, literally yeah. every day and yeah. just trying to do mobility work, trying to increase my range, trying to stretch it out, trying to lift weights uh, gently, of course, and doing the right movements and just get stronger through patterns. And that's sort of what I literally chalk up to what everybody can see today in terms of what my performance looks like because that's what it really was that was it yeah yeah did you, uh, All those small did, you, steps. did you change any approach toward nutrition while you were doing this rehab process um a little bit partially because i wanted to lose weight and so i wanted to lose weight so that my joints had uh less uh, uh less to deal with in general you know I right. wanted to maintain a lower body weight. So um, my, my caloric intake definitely went down. Um, and, you know, I um, have a good friend of mine who is also a nutritionist as well who uh, who decided to really help me out with it. Uh, a little shout-out to Nathan Jackson, actually. He's a great dude. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he uh, he really helped me out. He helped me out a whole lot with regards to nutrition and, and uh, just different guidelines and things that I should uh, take into consideration because I'm a doorknob with all that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I've... Maintaining a lower body weight now, which is uh, sort of stay consistent, which is great. And, um, yeah, other than that, not too much with, uh, by way of supplementation, partially because um, I'm negligent with it and I never stay disciplined with it. And, you know, I'll be honest, that's exactly what uh, what the reason was. Um, but I was told certain anti-inflammatories would have helped uh, and, and certain things that would have helped uh, curcumin and colostrum especially 
Until, yeah, uh, curcumin would definitely them. help, and systemic enzymes. I'll, I'm, I'll be, actually, they would still help you now. I'll be happy to send you some. I've got a great systemic enzyme product, Restorezyme. That would have really helped during this process, yeah. and I think it would still help now as you okay. approach your full recovery. So I'll send you some information all about but I'll be happy to send you a couple bottles to test drive. The key is you got to take a pretty high dosage, though, so you, you have to stay disciplined with these, but it, it's worth it. You know, five okay. caps three times a day. You know, you be if you take fifteen caps, five caps three times a day. Each dosage has to be on an empty stomach, so at least an hour before meals or two hours after. But it makes a huge, huge difference. See, one thing, one thing, I'm very that what that I prioritize is restoration. I get a massage once a week. I get adjustments at least twice a month. I go to this spa at least two times a month where I do hot tub, sauna, whirlpool, etc., steam room. Cryosan every once in a while. I do a lot of restoration methods because you have to balance the equation, especially as you get older. When you're training intensely, you can train as intensely as you want as long as you balance the equation with restoration. And part of restoration are the right supplements. So curcumin is a great one. Systemic enzymes, in my opinion, are the best thing because they lower the need for inflammation. They induce healing, so you don't have to have such an aggressive inflammatory response. But one thing I really like about a massage once a week. And this has to be someone who understands what people like us do, the training and so forth, is that she finds things before they become big problems. Or going, okay, your back is really tight here. Your neck is stiff. You got some inflammation in your upper back and so forth. Things that you don't necessarily feel because a lot of us are tougher than average person where what we deal with each day is just normal to us, right? It's like, yeah, my back is stiff, I'm inflamed and so forth. Other people may be like, oh, my back, oh, my leg. Right. But we're used to that kind of thing where we just deal with it. It's not a big deal. That's good and bad, though. So a lot of times people don't get massages because they're like, oh, I don't think I need it. It's like, no, you want to get it before you need it. You're missing the whole point. I get one a week regardless of how I feel. I don't wait until I feel like crap and then finally get one. I do it every single week just as disciplined as I do my workouts. And like I said, she finds things before they become a problem. So these are preempt. I'm not saying that you can avoid injuries 100%, but you can do a lot of preemptive things to lower the possibility. No, you're absolutely right. I uh, definitely, I've found benefit from doing the massage therapy stuff. Um, not only because, like, I don't know if you guys remember, but like before any of any of this stuff happened, um, I was uh, I was sort of like going through the ringer with uh, dealing with serious back issues, uh, my lower huh. back and my SI joints and so on. They were they were really really giving me a hard time, and so I'd sort of have crests and troughs with my training with regards to like being able to consistently lift and lift heavy as well in the compound movements like deads and squats. And so it was right. giving me a hassle. But um, one thing that I wasn't doing regularly at all was stuff like massage. And I'd only be doing Cairo as a form of damage control most of the time as well when something right. went wrong. And uh, and and trying to uh, trying to maybe get a preemptive session in there as well, just for a tune up every now and then. But uh, with the RMT stuff and with uh, with getting massages on the quads since this injury, you know. Having bad knees and uh, and a shaky back already was like the worst combination of joints to have affected in life. You know, like bad oh, knees and back at the same time, it's you can't do anything, right? And so um, right. when when I started uh, getting my quads worked on and so on, and then I go back and I start deadlifting and I start working on the upper back and the hamstrings and so on, and then I go and I start trying to deadlift and increase range of motion on the squat and whatnot. Strangely and funny enough. 
I haven't had a back episode for all of this time. And you'd think that this would be like the prime time for something to happen by way of compensation. And the only thing that I can really think of, other than the fact that I'm lifting a little bit less load and the fact that I'm being a little bit more careful, is the fact that what's changed is my my my, my massage, now, how more frequently I've been doing stuff like that. So there's got to be something to be said for the importance of something like that in order to preemptively... Uh, to preemptively I definitely think that, and also the long period of time you went without being able to deadlift probably allowed that area to heal as well. That's true. A lot of, That's true. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us have certain injuries that we never really let heal because we never really take time off. Sometimes I've had, I've gone through periods where I couldn't train for a couple months for whatever reason, either I was sick or maybe I was traveling. And then when you come back, you're weaker, but you also have a clean slate to some extent because those nagging injuries finally had a chance to heal. I mean, they needed you to go a while without training to fully restore that probably played that's a role as well. Something, that's not something that a lot of people want to hear. I'll tell you that. No, it isn't. It <laughs> you know, isn't. It's not something I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. 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 hear. Because if someone told me, like, oh, you know, you got this little problem here, so I recommend you not train intensely for a month. I go, a month? <laughs> what? <laughs> what am I supposed to do in that month? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got to give me something you know, to replace that. Just tell me I can go swimming every day. You know, tell me to go surfing. I don't know, something. <laughs> it's true, man. Um, so there's, there's a lot of folks out there who will think that, uh, you know, like they have to push through the pain or that they have to go hard or go home and that it's just another badge of honor or another, another stripe on the arm if they, if they train when they were dog tired or when they trained while they've been hurt. And one thing with the injury, like I've been trying to, uh, push the idea or promote the idea that I don't want to talk about this sort of stuff and make it seem like I'm beating the odds and that I'm, you know, that I did something that really to throw it in these doctors' faces to say, oh, you said two years, well, look at me after one type of thing. It's not about that, you know, and uh, I'm not trying to break records in terms of a recovery process and try to force something that's not even, you know, fully healed or fully recovered. And here, here I am deadlifting 500. Look at me after six months, you know, and it's like, that that's that that's probably the way to get yourself landed right back in the same place that you <laughs> came from, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, it's not exactly. even if you don't, it's not going to be sustainable. It's just a matter of when something's going to give because you don't have the proper amount of time that you took to recover and build a nice foundation right. again. So uh, yep. yeah, like I just wanted to make sure that I put that out there is that it's not about breaking records. And when you do get hurt or you get sidelined, you got to learn from it and realize that, you know, it might not even mean returning back to the same thing that got you hurt in the first place, at least not full right. force. Right. right. So uh, it's, it's, it's something that uh, can be a little sobering thought for people and make them uh, reassess their training and the way that they're approaching the gym life and whether or not they're doing this for the long term and sustainable term or if they're going to be doing this for, for, for Instagram. <laughs> Do it for the gram, man. <laughs> I, I have to wonder how many people do whatever it is they do for the purpose of posting it online. Let's go. Let's go out to lunch so we can take pictures and post that, rather than let's just go out to lunch to enjoy each other's company and have a nice meal somewhere and get out of the house. Let's so go hungry. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything is turning into a photo op for social media, and it. I, really yeah, don't. too much man. like i just too much. i can't abide it man i can't abide it no no it's too fake too it's it's not real it's it's too contrived 
you know, I can't get into yeah. all that. And I'm not, I'm not saying you should never post pictures of anything. I mean, it's, it's, I post pictures sometimes. It's just not, I'm just not posting pictures of every little nuance of my day. Yeah, because almost every picture I'm looking, I'm like, I wonder how staged this picture is. So now, yeah, it's yeah. like, when, when you, it's like, when you've been on it for so long, and then you see all these new people pop up, you're so jaded right now, you're so cynical. It's just like, anytime I see someone, I'm like, I wonder how many takes, how many times did she take that picture before she finally decided, okay, this is the one. Like, I, I want to see exactly. the other third that you didn't like. I want to see the ones with no filter. <laughs> okay, those are the ones. Well, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, is that we, we used to take pictures when something was special. You know, yeah, exactly. And now it's like yeah. we're taking pictures for everything. So it's the things that we don't now. take pictures of that are, yeah. And so it's the things that we don't take pictures of that have to become the special things or something now. Like, right. no, I'm not going to post this on Instagram because I want to treasure the moment or whatever. You know, and it's right. change your whole mentality now. It used to be fun to go through. Somebody tells you when you take a picture and they tell you, don't post, please don't post this online. I'm like, I hadn't planned on it. And they look at you so crazy when you say that, like, wait a minute. Why are you looking at me like I said something wrong? You just requested for me not to post it. But now that I told you I wasn't going to post it anyway, now you look like you're offended. What is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're they're hoping that you would challenge them and try to convince them. Exactly. Okay, okay, go ahead, bud. Like, don't do this. Okay, that was easy. You're supposed to. You're supposed to tell me you want to post. It's like no, no, no. We don't play those games. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> directly. Just, we don't. You know, we don't. Have- and here's why I know it's special now. It's like any picture I take now. It's like I actually print them out. I actually would sit. I would go online, send them to Walgreens, have them printed out. Why? So I can have a physical manifestation of the actual photo. Because and I always laugh at people when they have like a thousand photos in their phone. I said, what happens when that phone, when you lose it, someone steals it, it crashes. I said, what about all those quote unquote memories that you have? What are you going to do after that? You know, and then like, oh, I sent the cloud. I said, what if there's a denial of service or something like that? And they look at you like you're crazy, like these things can't happen. I'm like, these things have happened. I don't just, I'm not just making this up. It's not, I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. This is real stuff. So whatever happens, actually just having, if it's really that special to you, actually printing the picture out and actually putting it in an album, you know, it's like you, you kind of want to do those things. You don't forget how to do this. Just like, don't forget how to write. Don't just sit there and spend right. your life on a keyboard. Every now and then pick up a pen and a pencil and a pad and actually write something. Don't lose that skill. I mean, we already have our public schools where they've already taken cursive out of schools now. So you know, they're not even writing in cursive anymore when they do write. I was like, what is happening to this world now? So now everybody's going to walk yeah. around printing like they're in kindergarten again. You know, when they do write these, these big block letters on the big chief tablets or something, like, come on, man. Let's not lose these skills. Let's not lose them. Yeah, now one more thing on that like topic. Was- uh, on, on the one on the topic of taking breaks and making progress, I remember this, this just came to mind. I remember when when kettlebells first started proliferating, we would have people try kettlebell trains. They would they would take a break from whatever whatever it is they're doing, whether it's bodybuilding or powerlifting, et cetera, and they would do the, some kettlebell stuff. Sometimes a hundred percent kettlebell workout, and then there would be these testimonials of, oh, I did kettlebells for four weeks and my bench press went up thirty pounds, or I did kettlebells for four weeks and I finally broke that PR. And then people would try to frame that as, see, kettlebells make you stronger in everything you do. When the real reason why they probably improved in those other things is they were probably so burned out on those moves that they finally took a break. It gave their body a break because you're doing something different. Neurologically, you're doing something different as well. So you're developing these different skill sets. But the most important thing is you're getting a break from what you were doing because you just drove that into the ground. And now you're going back after 
not sitting on your ass for four weeks doing nothing. You're using kettlebells to, to, and you're learning new skill sets with that. You're, and then you are strengthening certain muscles that you probably haven't right. used before, certain imbalances. But I think the primary reason why you made these improvements on what you were doing before is because you finally gave your body a break from those movements. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Like, I think that this industry as a whole tries really hard to find scientific explanations for things that don't need them, you know? <laughs> right. And, um, <laughs> I think that, I think that when it comes to like research and cutting edge information and, and the scholarly journals and all this stuff, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, uh, benefit from having them and having these studies in existence and so on, but you can't tell me that there's not a percentage of studies out there that confirm things that we already knew and were already practicing since like the 1980s, you know? And uh, that's right. the sort of the thing that, that it gets to me because we, we, we belong to an industry that, yeah, you wear a tracksuit to work and, yeah, your workplace is a playground and, yeah, you're working with people for a very fun purpose, to be honest with you. And, and it doesn't take too much to be able to safely train your average run-of-the-mill client and it doesn't take too much more to get them to actually see results as well, given you guys are both working right. together. So, you know, there's obviously a very sliding scale in terms of just how effective you are at your job and and how how knowledgeable you are and so on. But at the end of the day, the the simple fact of being able to train somebody to have good, safe technique and do things that will promote a good result, it's it doesn't it's not that it's not that high demand, right? And so with that said, um, just how much cutting-edge research are we using or trying to implement into our, our day-to-day sort of like goings-on with regards to training and then how, how we train ourselves or how we train our clients and, and nutrition and all that. Like, you know, we a lot of the biggest names in strength and conditioning, they can't even answer some of those questions because they deal with just experience and keeping it simple. Right. And I do this because it works and there's a track record of it. And that's it. Right. You know, and those right. are the people that I kind of look up to the most, to be honest with you, not the people who can <laughs> list a million citations for exactly why they're taking 47 chews per forkful of food before they swallow. <laughs> you know, right. and, uh, come on, man. It's yeah, 40, like not 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, those people, those people fall into that category. I was talking about people who always find a problem for every solution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, here's are, the other problem. Are, are they all useful next as well? Well, that's the other thing. But here's the thing with studies that's flawed. I'm reading this book on longevity, right? It's a really interesting book by this doctor, Cutting Edge Research. But one thing he, he, one of those salient points he made in the book is a lot of studies are short-term studies, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, right? Those are short-term results. So with a high-protein diet, positive results manifest in the four-week, eight-week, maybe even the 12-week mark. But at the three-year mark and the five-year mark, there starts being some real negative repercussions of that protocol. So we have to put things in the context in which they're delivered. It's like, wow, look at the results these people got in four weeks. We don't know that it's going to keep going in this linear fashion, though. It could be counterproductive after a while. That's true. Um, a lot of different things out there uh, when it comes to, like, you know, exactly things that are maybe nutrition-based and a lot of things that are in the training world as well when it comes to, uh, you know, eliciting the best results for, for I don't know, muscle development or hypertrophy or so on. You know, we think about it in the short term. You do a control group. You have a test study of people where you had six people, six trained individuals who did this study for or did this this uh 
uh, project, this research for for a six-week period of time or a 12-week period of time where they follow the programming and then their quadriceps grew this much by, by this period of time or their strength right. improved this much. And uh, then they have another group who did this and they did it this way instead and they didn't get quite the same results. So that must lead to conclude that this result is more effective. And it's like, well, A, I can ask 20,000 other questions to to determine whether or not there's any advantages whatsoever and there are other variables that we're not taking into consideration. The height of the individual, the conditioning of the individual, the age of the individual, the sex of the individual. You can go on and on and on about all that stuff, the lever length of the individual, um, and and so on, right? Uh, But more importantly, if we think about the long term like you were talking about, you know, are these gains sustained? Are they sustainable? Are they, is it something that, you know, if you look down the line, when we talk about things that uh, you don't want to do this because down the road this is going to happen. Well, have you? Right. That would mean that your study has lasted 25 years. <laughs> looking yeah, at it hasn't somebody. gone down the road. <laughs> yeah, like these are all these it's precautionary just, studies and so on. But like, is right, it, is it just just manifest itself in something yet? Yeah, it's just guesswork. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, that's why it's good when someone has real long-term experience, right? You've been following a certain nutrition protocol for 10 years. But that's right. substantive. 25 years. I've been doing this for 20 years, right? Then it starts going, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. When someone says, oh, I started doing this and like, oh, how long have you been doing it? Oh, three months, but I've never felt better. I go, it's only been three months. <laughs> now that's, it, hey, it may, you may keep feeling better too, but you may not. You, you may, it may be because you cut certain things out and that's why you're feeling better more so than what you're doing now. And then the negative consequences of what you're doing now are going to manifest a year or two down the line. You just don't know. But until you've done something for many years, I don't really want to hear about it. When someone says, oh, yeah, I tried this for four weeks. It was great. Four weeks is nothing. Right. Yeah, don't make it sound like the gospel right off the bat. If it's making you feel good as of right now, that's what you should say. Well, as of now, so far, this is what it's done for me. That, That should be your best reply right there. So far, it's done this, and I feel this. But don't sit and say, oh, man, this is the way to go because blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, you haven't done it long right. enough, bro. So about three months, there's some people, you don't have a guaranteed job for three months. Most of the time when you get a new job, they put you on a 90-day like probation period before they even decide they're going to keep you on permanently. <laughs> so even yeah. then, you don't have job security. So don't even, don't even give me that, man. Yeah, around here where I live, around here where I live, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of young trainers. I think in the industry in general, there's a lot of trainers who are, you know, in their 20s and maybe even under 25. And so, um, it's a very young industry, especially here in Toronto. And, um, so I come across a lot of people and they love doing new things. They love trying things new. And, you know, and they're doing this new program or they're on this new way of eating and they're on this new, and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, they will go ahead and say that it's the bee's knees. And what ends up happening from what I've seen, anyway looking outside in is that you just don't see too much change in terms of their their results if they're looking for a change in their physique or if they're looking for a change in their strength levels or whatnot because of all this jumping around and, and sort of jumping on the latest bandwagon of, of what research seems to say based on short-term studies and based on what is new and cutting edge and what seems to be the most sciencey stuff that makes them feel smart and um, personally I just I try to sort of avoid it and that's why that's why I'm kind of the way that I am in terms of the way that I try to speak and the way that I try to write as well, where I try to use more anecdote than I do studies and, and citations and all that. And, you know, some people get at me for it, but I'm sort of going to stay the path with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the right way to go. Well, hey, man, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Anything you want to talk about? Anything you're working on? 
Um, well, as far as uh, as far as uh, what I got in the in the works right now, I mean, the big thing is that I just got an Instagram account, right? And so this has been <laughs> this has been the uh, this has been the final straw as I've finally maxed out my Facebook with a nice organic reach. I hit that friend limit, and then I uh, I've got a a good little following on Twitter as well. So I decided to start up the Instagram. It was about time. And uh, I yeah, feel, that's been I, feel your, I feel your pain on that front because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm new. To, I'm new to the game as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Coach Lee Boyce is the same handle as all my other stuff. So that's where where I get to get the follows. And uh, otherwise, been keeping the blog pretty consistent. Released one on running today, which is doing pretty good. And um, yeah, I've just been uh, keeping at it. I've been talking a lot more and going around and doing some speaking. I'm going to be at the National Strength and Conditioning Association's uh, Personal Training Annual Conference in Baltimore in a few weeks from now, on uh, October 5th. So I'll be speaking there, and uh, my topic is actually going to be about t- training for for uh, tall guys and training for different leverages that are unfavorable to lifting, which is something I've been really talking about a whole lot lately, and I've got a lot more in store on that front too. That's a great topic. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Now, your your blog is on your website. Where can people find that? Yeah, that's uh, www.leeboystraining.com, and uh, it has archives of all of my, my publication articles as well for all the different magazines and publications online and in print that I write for. There's all that stuff there, and, of course, the blog where I talk about stuff I see in the industry a whole lot. And uh, most recently, the debate with regards to running is the most common, uh, is the most popular article that's on right now. So, uh, yeah, just always check in on uh, on my website for a different content. It's uh, usually a little bit differently stimulating thought-wise. Very cool. Well, hey, man, this was great. It's great to catch up. It's great to hear your most recent story. I think people are going to get a lot out of it, man. So you keep up the great work. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, it was great to be on and uh, definitely went uh, above and beyond in terms of uh, just uh, how how deep we dove into things today in terms of that injury and, and uh, what's been going on lately. Yeah, man, it was great. Thank you very much, man. You, you, you take care. Great talking to you. Thanks a lot. You too. Take it easy. Take care. Bye. All right, man. That was a good one. I think people are going to yep. get a lot out of that one. So I look forward to the feedback. And on a completely different note, any of you watch the show Insecure out there, you got to realize yeah, that man. <laughs> Issa's, Issa's new boyfriend, that guy has to have the worst beard of all time. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, he's not making Houston look very well, man. I'm like, dude, you're not representing my city very well. And I go, I you need to shave that thing off, man. It looks like, like he's got oh, man, like a little patch on his cheek. I was like, what is, what is that, man? What is that supposed to be? Right. I mean, his beard looks there. like mine the first week. I, I mean, like the first day I grew it out. Even Actually, you know what? That's not giving myself enough credit because the first day I grew it out, still looked, you knew where it was going. You knew it was going to fill out. <laughs> Even that looked better than where he's at. But I was like, damn, it made me feel really good about mine. I was like, man, I'm a G. My, my beard is amazing the, compared to that. I moved out to L.A. and just kind of like got into this real lazadaisical, just, you know, let things be type lifestyle. Because, like, you know, basically out here in Houston, man, nah, that wouldn't ride. If he was back home, they'd be like, dude, you got you to gotta hook that up. You got to shape that up or something, man. In fact, they kind of go above and beyond what they do with their beards out here. I was like, come on, man, that looks too manufactured. Like, dang, bro. Oh, <laughs> it's like, your, your beard has a better haircut than your hair does. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. it's faded and drawn and like, I mean, just like the precision of the cut and everything. I was like, nah, that's too much. That's way too yeah, much. Man. But, yeah, <laughs> he does need to do something though, man. 
<laughs> He's like, touch it up. <laughs> it's distracting. It's so bad it's yeah. distracting. You just keep focusing on that. <laughs> well, you, I don't even I don't even know what happened. I don't even they realize this is, this is a pretty dude. So they even do they even go even closer on him. So the camera's like right up in his face. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> they're not doing you any justice, dude. <laughs> All these little wild hairs looking back at you, man. Like shape that stuff, cut it, do something. But yeah. <laughs> Insecure. This season's been kinda wild. <laughs> really wild. Yeah, there's some good shows on HBO. That oh, one's yeah. good. Ball, Ballers, Ballers is really good. Ballers, Deuce, Ballers, yeah. The Deuce is really good. Yeah, they have, yeah I'm going to start watching that. Yeah, I, I can yeah, finally... Good, man. Look, and I'm still... Look, I just caught up on some shows that have been out for years now. I just finished all, what, four or five seasons of Peaky Blinders. I just finished up Luther. And, you know, which sucks when you watch all this stuff, like you binge on it. Because uh, I'm one of those people that when everybody's hyped up about a certain show, I tend to not want to watch it. When, when people start doing podcasts about a show... <laughs> That makes me even more or less interested in it. Or right, the, the wrong person, the wrong person recommends it. That's always exactly. a deterrence. Like, nah, nah, you, you like it, it can't be good. Sometimes it is good. You know? yeah, exactly. of that. I mean, that's how I felt about Luther. <laughs> like, I had the wrong person recommend that to me years ago, and I was like, ah, you just like you just you just like Idris Elba. You just want to look at him because he's eye candy. I uh, I don't want to see that. You know, I said plus this. He's just, he's filming that back home. He's filming that in Britain. How interesting can it be? It's not like it's not like the Wire. <laughs> you know, you know that's a litmus test for everything for any character that came from the Wire. Like, is it like the Wire? <laughs> it's like no, man. And when someone says it's better than the Wire, then I'm like, I'm done with you. <laughs> it's like nah, I'm out. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's a damn good show though. So, yeah, the good thing is, I'm glad I didn't watch these shows when they were like right on time when they were coming out because I'd be a little pissed because I just realized that some of these shows haven't had new seasons in like two years or like Luther, I think it's what four years now. And they have new seasons coming out in 2019. So it's like, I caught on just in time. You know, it's kind of like I did with breaking bad. I didn't watch breaking bad at all until like a couple of months before the final season started. And so I binged. And by the time I finished binging, you know, I was halfway, you know, into the last season. And it's like, it was perfect. It was perfect. So, cause again, recommended by the wrong person. <laughs> like, Oh, you need to see breaking bad. It's about mess. I'm like, um, Okay, I, why don't I just go about meth? That, that, you know, that's a bad way to describe it, too. Oh, it's about meth. <laughs> it's a chemistry teacher, and he sells meth. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, okay, I'm out. <laughs> Him and one of his former students, I'm like, that doesn't sound that great, man. <laughs> it's in New Mexico. This really doesn't sound that great. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah, I had a guy at the dog park who kept on recommending the new Mission Impossible movie. And when he first recommended it, I was like, oh, cool, I want to check it out. But then I'm busy, you know, you don't get to the movies all the time. But then, and then, and then he kept on asking me every time he saw me if I've seen it yet. And yeah. after the third time, I go, you know what? I actually want to see this movie, but the, the more you ask me if I've seen it yet, the less I want to go see it. <laughs> because you're, you're asking me too often. <laughs> you're a little too anxious about this movie, man. It's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's like, you want to fuck with the guys. Like, now nah, I'm just not going to see it. So every time you ask me, I could be like, nope, still haven't seen it. <laughs> this guy's desperate to talk to someone about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, come on, man! Someone has to have seen it. <laughs> like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like I wasn't going to see it, but now it's fun to say no every time I see you. To see that look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen that either. <laughs> why no, so that. we saw it actually uh, the other day. It's actually really good. It's probably the best one out of that whole series. Not that that's necessarily saying a lot because a lot of them are marked by great, but but this one's actually really good. Tom Cruise, man, really, whatever, you, whatever, whatever you think of Tom Cruise, he's a nut job, Scientology guy and all that. Whatever you think about that, 
that guy is that guy's a stud when it comes to movies, man. He's a daredevil. He does crazy stunts. I mean, in Mission Impossible Two, he was hanging off that cliff without a safety net. That's fucking wild, man. He's a wild man, and and he's in. I think he's sixty now, and he looks great. I mean, he's yeah. he's definitely taking care of himself. So eventually, I'll get around to seeing it. If not, it'll be on HBO. <laughs> so the way well, things that, are working out for me of, right now. That's the thing about everything. Well, dude, look, the, the, the reality about entertainment is. You can see it on your own terms. You're never going to miss it. If you miss it in the theater, yeah. it'll be out on pay-per-view. If you miss it there, it'll be on HBO. If you miss it there, it'll be on fucking TBS. So it's going to be somewhere. And entertainment, they're so quick. To, they want to make money so quickly now. You don't have to wait a long time like you used to. There'll be a time oh, when no. someone comes out in the movie theater, it wouldn't be on HBO for like two years. And then it'd be a year. But now it's kind of like six months later, I'm like, wow, this is this is where this is already on Netflix. Like three months later, it's already on Netflix or whatever. Like the DVD and it comes out on Netflix right at the same time. I mean, look, it's like Black Panther just came out, you know, at the beginning of September on Netflix. You know, it's just it just came out in February. The DVD just came out like in May. So it's just things are moving a lot quicker now. So just by the time the hype is up, by the time the hype is over, it'll be just in time for it to show up on like pay on cable or whatever. So I don't really sweat it now, man, at this point, because, again, like you said, it's on my own turn. I'm going to see it when I see it. It's, it's, it's not like it's going to be, like, discontinued. It's not like it's going to go out of print or something like that. Like, oh, man, it's a one-time deal. Once it leaves theaters, it's gone forever. Nah, somebody bootlegged it. Somebody recorded it, and now that bootleg is finding its way around the Internet now. So well, Shit, man. Well, I, I, have people, I have people who listen to our show who talk about, oh, man, I – Listen to that episode with Paula Quinn. That was great. I was like, yeah, it was which, also three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> yeah. Well, they probably don't even realize there were two. I mean, that, that's so far behind the curve. But every, everything is archived, right? So people get around to it when they get around to it. I mean, I was on Rich Roll's podcast, right? So the first week it came out, a lot of people saw it. And I was getting a ton of emails, really nice feedback. Right. And then now it's the second week, and people are it's less, but now more people are coming into it. But I guarantee you, a year from now, someone's going to say, wow, listen to that episode. It was great. <laughs> and it's going to be, I'm going to have to think about it for a minute and go, what? Uh, oh, yeah, that show. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <That's just laughs> hey, man, going. I'm trying to figure out where, you know, the the, the thing you were talking about with the hormones and, and this. And that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you know. What was the name of that one know. guy you mentioned? <laughs> You know, on Richard's show, you talking about the hormones. That one thing that you mentioned. You remember that one thing? No, Shit, I, don't I, don't even, I don't even remember that now. When they bring it up, and someone <laughs> goes, "Oh, you mentioned this one thing after." Like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. That was a three-hour episode. <laughs> you know, I mean, we did it a while. I mean, it was over a month ago. We did that episode. It was three hours. We talked about a ton of stuff. Right. The best part about it is that I spoke about Project Child Safe for about twenty minutes. I just segued right into it, and Rich was so moved by that that he wants to have Ty on his show now. So that's awesome. awesome. I mean, that could be huge because Rich yeah. has yeah. 100,000 people or so who download. Yeah. Even his, even a low download for him is going to be at least 50,000. So someone like Ty, and it's done in person. So there'll be video of him talking to Ty, which is more impactful for people right. that want that. They can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, just like our show. That's going to be potentially huge, man. So I was really happy to hear that. So I'm, I'm, I, I just facilitated that recently. I just introduced the two of them. And the sooner that happened, I was telling Ty, look, man, I know you have a lot going on, but make this a priority because right. get over to Calabasas, go to his house, do this episode. It'll be huge. 
Yeah, maybe this will make these other podcasts who these podcasters who actually listen to those episodes of time on our show. It's like, oh man, that was a great show, but they haven't had him on their show. <laughs> you know, they haven't right. taken, they haven't had the balls to have him on his show and talk about that topic now. You know, right. somebody like this does it, then you know maybe they'll follow suit since they like to follow people so much. Well, yeah, he, uh, he has such a big show that I think if whatever a lot of people watch what he does because. After I was on his after I was on his episode, I got a ton of different shows contacting me, going, "Oh, I just saw you there. I'd love to have you on my show," which I knew would happen. Right. There's some some pretty big level shows too that probably would have if I if I emailed any of these shows before going on Rich, probably wouldn't have gotten a response. But right. you get on one big show, now other big shows like you said want to follow suit, especially if the numbers do really well on the one show you were on. So anyway, like you said, I hope this is somewhat of a domino effect where he goes on there and then maybe something like the London Real wants him or Joe Rogan wants him or any of these big shows, man, the more the better. Look, man, if if this is this is the one case of guest snatching I'm all supportive about. You know, there's a lot of people like <laughs> guest snatching. They'll look and see all the downloads for guests on a certain show like Rogan show, whatever, and then they do everything in their power to try to get that person on their show. Like this is the one time I support, like please, I hope you do it. <laughs> Not too much. Do it. That's the one thing I try to avoid when I look for guests is I don't listen to other people's podcasts and try to – I mean, every once in a while that happens. But for the most part, I don't like to watch other people's shows and then try to get those guests on right. our show because that's – it's sometimes it's it happens. Lazy. Like black, it's, like, it's lazy as hell, first of all. <laughs> you know, just to say like – because it just doesn't show like you're not even really trying to put in the work. Like let me just – let me just fish around and see who's on whose show that, you know, all the popular shows. Let me try to get them too. Because in your mind, you're probably thinking, like, if I get them on my show, then I'll get a lot of downloads too. Like, why? Right. Because everybody just heard well, them on the I'm, other I'm not motivated by that. So even if I see someone on someone else's show, if I do contact them to come on our show, it's not because the downloads were so high there. It's because I feel we can have an interesting conversation with that person. For example, and Blasco. I heard, I heard Blasco on Jamie Josta's podcast, which I listen to all the time. And I go, that was a great episode. So I contacted him. And then unbeknownst to me, he's actually a fan of my work. He has my books. So he knew who I was right away. I go, that's even better. You know, now we're going to have a really cool conversation. And what we're going to do is different than what he did. I'm not going to ask the same questions. You're definitely not going to ask the same questions. You didn't even hear that episode. <laughs> so it's going to be, right. be different. So, I mean, every once in a while it happens. I saw we saw I saw Johan Hari on Bill Maher, and I was like, "Wow, this guy's yeah, great!" Saw, yeah. Then he was on Joe Rogan a week later, and I had contacted him before that. I watched that episode, and it was great. That just reinforced it even more. But I had actually read his book, and I know depression's a big interest of yours, so I knew we would have a different conversation with him than what I saw. So, whenever we do bring someone on that I've seen somewhere else, it's not going to be the same episode. It's going to be different. Speaking about being different, you guys can be different by using that coupon code LLA. Go to MikeMahler.com, get 10% off, go stack up on products. And since I've been on Rich's show, I've had a ton of people buying products. So if you want to you want to make sure you go buy some stuff right now before anything runs out, because there's a strong possibility a few things will. So get over to MikeMahler.com, use that coupon code. You can also go over to NewWarriorTraining.com. You get 10% off everything there using LLA. And don't forget about Patreon. We can, we've got some. We're gonna start adding some some unique material to Patreon rather than just giving you early access to episodes right. that go free. We're gonna. I think we're gonna go back to some extent to the model of unique material where it's only available there. And last but not least, share this episode. Leave those reviews, man. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Head over to Stitcher. Leave those reviews. Share this with the folks on your all your social media platforms. Let them know what you like, man. Don't keep it to yourself.
Don't be greedy. Don't be stingy. <laughs> That's enough for everybody. So yeah, all those reviews, something real quick, man. You don't have to sit there and do a dis- you know dissertation or whatever. Just like, hey, good show. Liked it. Liked the episode with Lee or whoever. And it's like, hey, five stars, whatever, man. Just do that real quick. That helps us get more exposure out there with these shows. So we appreciate that. So other than that, folks, that's going to wrap it up. We'll catch you on the next episode, folks. So take care. All right. Take care, everyone.